When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. podcast welcome back to unwinding listen i'm gonna be honest with you okay today has not been my day i'm getting a little sick or i don't think i'm getting sick i think i am sick i think i've been sick for the last like 10 days but i've just pretended like i haven't been and i think last night today's wednesday night by the way when you're listening to this i think last night my body was like finally like Okay, I don't, I don't know what you think we're doing here, but this is not working for us. You pretending like you don't feel bad is not working for us. Very fitting for an episode all about being kind to your body and about health and about treating your body with respect. I feel like I should be the first one listening to this. I'm just kidding. I don't know what, what's, going, what's going on. I don't know, but not feeling great, which is just like the shittiest timing because just a lot going on this week. I feel like this is like the last really, really busy work week that I have in December, Um, like really, really busy one. And so it's just like an unfortunate time, but we are, we are pulling through. We are drinking the ginger shots. We are resting. We are trying to feel better. Today was also a drop day on M Club. So just like really unfortunate timing all around, but that's okay. It's going to be okay. And I'm going to try to sleep for like 15 hours tonight, hopefully. Enough about me. I just wanted to say hi and introduce Lauren and also that I don't think we're going to have a new episode next week because it's Christmas and I'm going to be home with my family and yeah I don't think I'm gonna have an an episode up next week but I will have a new year episode the week after and my last new year episode was so well received you guys absolutely loved it and it's still one of my like most played episodes I love the more like reflective tons of lessons give me all the juice kind of episodes like very inspiring uplifting I love those episodes so I'm already working on that one and I know it's gonna be amazing hopefully yeah it's gonna be amazing I can't wait for that one so I won't see you next week but I'll see you the week after and yeah I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves unlike me (laughs) and having a beautiful holiday season and let's get into this episode with Lauren hi Lauren welcome to the podcast I'm so excited to have you I want to get into so many things before we do do you want to introduce yourself to my audience Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk today. And for those that I might not know, my name is Lauren Papanos. I am formally trained as a registered dietitian and, um, you know, went through traditional conventional schooling to become a dietitian, have my bachelor's and master's degrees in nutrition sciences and um, specialize in integrative nutrition, which is kind of more of like an Eastern medicine type way that we look at treating and preventing disease. Um, And then after that, I went on to do additional functional nutrition training and really started to specialize in women's endocrine conditions, hormone-related conditions in particular. And really that was out of my own um, issues that I dealt with when I was in my early 20s that really forced me to dive deep into this um, world of women's hormones and really understand things to the deepest possible molecular level that I could because I was so frustrated that no doctor or professional was helping me and really was determined to be able to figure out 
to how to feel well again. And from there, it's really been my passion to be able to help women do the same. And so I own Functional Feeling Nutrition, which is a online virtual uh, nutrition private practice. And, you know, we offer one-on-one counseling as well as uh, I do a lot of lab testing and group programs and things of that sort. Um, but really, I'm just super committed to women's health and, um, you know, for- forging the um, the way for women to really be able to understand and um, empower them in their bodies further. When you say you were frustrated with issues, what Can you talk to us a little bit about what you were feeling, what was happening that made you feel like no doctor was giving you an answer? Yeah, so I have, I don't know that I ever really had normal periods, even when I started, you know, my period when I was maybe 13, 14, it always was a little bit abnormal. I, you know, was super into sports when I was younger. I cheered in college competitively. So, you know, I was very active um, and probably didn't eat enough to be able to support that. So that didn't help the situation, right? But then when I was in college, I started to deal with really bad IBS and digestive issues and you know that was manifesting as a lot of bloating, difficulty eating a lot of different foods. Um, you know, I had IBSD, which is loose stools, diarrhea. And, um, you know, honestly, it was like debilitating, like chronic, you know, I was getting like these really bad, like hemorrhoid issues with it. And I was having like all these like skin rashes and just weird things that were cropping up. Um, and then I lost my period and my period just disappeared. And, um, you know, I followed all of the kind of like conventional recommendations on, okay, like you need to pull down your exercise, you need to eat more and you need to rest more. And I was like doing all these things for years and I still wasn't able to get my period back and I was so frustrated because one I knew the ramifications of not having a period because I was learning this in school but secondly I was like it's so important to me to have a family one day like I need to get this figured out and although I was years away from that I knew that like the more that I postponed things that the worse it was going to be right so I just was very concerned about it and you know when I would bring it up to doctors they would do this testing but the testing just kept coming back normal it was like everything looks great you know your brain scans look great there's nothing going on in the brain you're ovaries look great. All of this is great. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not great. Like I don't have a period. I've got these terrible digestive issues. I've got these weird skin rashes. Then eventually I had gained like 20 pounds within the matter of three months and I'm only four foot 11. So that's quite a bit of weight and, you know, pretty abrupt for that to happen. And so it's just like, okay, there's all these different like red flags that are coming up. And I'm just was frustrated that no one was helping me. Like, honestly, it was just so frustrating, you know? And so yeah, all of that was going on. And I mean, it just kept getting worse and worse. And it was like every couple of months there was something new that was like this domino that kept falling where it just kept even just reaffirming that something was off in my body. And when did you start seeing or what started to help you? I know this is a very, very personal question because obviously everybody, every body is so different, but what started to actually help you get your period back and start to feel better? Yeah. So I was actually in my master's degree and was in my dietetic internship and I had the ability to intern at a functional medicine doctor's office. And um, he was an MD, but he was trained functionally. He had some nurse practitioners and a dietitian on staff that were all functional. And he was like, okay, we need to do some higher level testing. And so he had me do a more comprehensive blood panel and he had me do a stool test and, you know, all of these other testing measures. And he was the first person to say to me, 
I don't know what is wrong and why you're having these issues, but I have some ideas of some things that we could try. And he was like the first person that gave me hope that there was actually like a new solution that we could explore, right? And he was like, I've never done this on a patient before, but you're going to be the first one. And I was like, let's do it. Because at this point, I will try anything, you know? And we did. And I just stayed the course and I stayed patient with following those recommendations. And within six months, I had regained my period. And I was like in tears. I was like, there's no way that this is possible. Like, how is this humanly possible? You know, I've been trying to do this for so many years. How could this one change make such a big difference? And I was like, that's it. Like, I'm going to, I'm not going to have a period next month. You know, it's never going to come back. This is just a fluke. And then I got a period consistently and consistently. And like, that's been going on for, you know, 10 years now, you know? And so it's like, and so that really is what started me into this like rabbit hole of like, okay, what did he know that I don't know? Like what happened? What was the domino that like facilitated all this to correct itself? And, you know, a lot of it was a lot of the internal healing, like fixing what was going on in my gut and getting rid of some of those imbalances and, you know, addressing, like reconnecting my brain and my ovaries, which no doctor had talked about. They had just said like, oh, you need to start on birth control or you need to reduce your exercise. And I was like, I'm really not exercising that much, like a couple days per week. I mean, nothing crazy, you know? So yeah, he just had some progressive ideas that I never heard before. You mentioned being a competitive cheerleader and I would love to know if that affected in any way, just the relationship that you had with your body or with food and or with food and how it's progressed up till now. I would love to get into just like the relationship with our bodies and body image as a whole, because I think it's such a real thing, especially for women. And I am super open about that and my like journey with that. So I'd love to hear like what yours has been. Yeah, totally. So, you know, when I first started out of my career, I was super into sports and I was like, I want to be a sports dietitian because I love sports growing up and I loved athletes. I love working out. I love that whole setting, you know? And so that was actually how I first started my career was I was working in collegiate sports and working in professional sports and also doing like the functional nutrition and women's health on the side. And I, in that, in that setting, it's very much a focus of calories and it's very much a focus of body composition how much lean muscle mass do you have to how much body fat do you have how can we optimize this further and you know at the time I didn't see anything negative about that I was like this is just what you do as an athlete like this is part of your job is you focus on this right but like as I started to do more of my inner work and as I started to work with more women on the women's health space I started to really drop that. Like I was like, I want to have a bigger impact and I don't want to think about calories and body composition. And of course, you know, like there are facets within that that we have to focus on for health and things, but that doesn't need to be the initiator to you wanting to get healthy. Like we don't need to address things from a, I need to lose weight standpoint, like, or I need to change the way that my body looks. It's like, how can we address things from a, how can I support and empower my body? And by me doing everything to heal my internal function, whatever the outcome is of that, whatever my body looks like is a byproduct of that, I'm going to fully embody and embrace and feel confident in, right? And so I really started to look at health and the way that I was having conversations and even my treatment approach so differently. And I mean, at this point in my career and in my practice, you know, a lot of people come to me and, you know, most of the time it's because they have some type of hormone and digestive issue that we're working on. But sometimes when people come to me and all they focus on is they want to change with the way that their body looks, I have that deeper conversation with them, you know, where I'm like, 
where is that going to get you? What do you, what do you, what is your ultimate outcome of that? Because the end of the day, you're going to feel so unfulfilled whenever you get there. I know this is like such a real thing. And I think it's hard to bridge that gap of let me focus more on how I feel versus just how I look. Right. I think for so long, especially mm-hmm. I think before when diet culture was so, so, so heavy. And now I think we've shifted the conversation a little bit more thank god but it was so focused on how do you look how do you look nobody cared really i mean the conversation wasn't so much about how you actually feel and taking care of yourself and and it it, you know it, it was so black or white before i feel like it was so like no days off mentality understanding that you can look you can care about the way you look right of course but there's it's also so worthwhile to shift the focus to like how do you actually feel but I feel like that's really tough to do when you're so used to thinking about something in a in such a way. And when you're used to looking at food the way I was before, where I, I, I saw food and I saw numbers. I didn't see food. I saw numbers and macros. And I saw good and I saw bad. And I had to, through so much work and therapy and everything, like really heal that relationship essentially and understand that it's just all food. We make it the enemy, but it's really not the enemy. It's the, it's something fun. It's something that we're so lucky to be able to have and to you know nourish our, our, our bodies. But I feel like that's something that I will always have to work on really is just giving myself permission to enjoy foods fully without ever having even like an ounce of guilt. You know what I mean? Totally. And changing that perspective and that conversation in your head and like putting food in its box because I think sometimes we like glorify food too much where it's like we give it so much power and it does have a lot. I mean, the food we eat, it's cellular information, but it also is social and it's emotional and it's psychological and it's all these other things. And, you know, if you're doing something and it's at the expense of you being able to enjoy your life to the fullest, then we have to reevaluate, like, is that really the healthiest approach? Totally. As a registered dietitian and in the practice and everything that you do every day, what are some of the most popular issues that you keep seeing in women, maybe ages like 20 to 35-ish? So, I mean, I see a lot of, you know, hormone issues because that's, you know, the scope I really work in. And sometimes that manifests as, you know, menstrual irregularities or really heavy periods. Um, You know, lately, I think that there's been a lot of infertility and, uh, you know, issues with progesterone production in particular that I see with women I work with. And a lot of times that will then impact the thyroid. And so, you know, a lot of times women will come to me and maybe they have like digestive issues like bloating or constipation or they're, you know, having difficulty with their metabolic function and it's really a thyroid issue. And, you know, when we start to unpack that, because I always tell people, I'm like, hormones are not the root cause. Hormones are just the messenger that are telling us, hey, there's something else going on, right? So when we start to unpack that, I see so many issues with like different types of like immune stressors and cellular stressors. And I think so much of that is from industrialization. Like, So much of that is from our environment that even in people that are taking such good care of their body and are eating so well, they are having difficulty with being able to clear a lot of these different environmental toxins that we're being exposed to through the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, because there's so much crud that's being thrown into those things nowadays, right? And then that impacts the immune system, that causes like these abnormal cell patterns, and then that really impacts hormones as a side effect of that. 
So, I mean, I would say that that's one. I think the other big one is hustle culture. And I think that, you know, with women starting to become like so um, independent, I feel like there's so much like, you know, women boss and like, um, I think that we're like so supportive of one another and it's so amazing. But with that, I think that we also have a lot of pressure to like do so many things, you know? And, you know, I work with a lot of women who they're moms and they're like trying to raise kids and they're trying to take them to their practices and they're trying to do the meal planning for the week and they're trying to run a business and like you know have fun with friends and like be there for family and it's like so many things that you only have so many hours in the day and like you can only be so much for other people like you can only be so much and so that puts so much stress on the body because the body's like I can't do all those things that you're asking of me and something goes you know and the body eventually just burns out and when our body is in that like burnout and that you know fight or flight mode that's going to negatively impact our sex hormones our thyroid hormones so significantly that no amount of perfect food or you know workouts and things are going to be able to unravel that we have to address why the body's under so much stress this is such a real thing that I wanted to ask you this about stress because I know how this can affect our bodies in so many different ways pretend you're talking to somebody who is so busy. She's so busy and it's not like she can really slow down. Like maybe she's just in a season of life that is requiring and demanding just so much go, go, go-ness. What are a few things that she could do in order to just make sure her cortisol levels are not like through the fucking roof, you know? Well, I mean, I just got off a call with a, a client before this and she was her, you know, she's an engineer and she is a type A personality and a go-getter. And, you know, that was the exact conversation we had where I was like, okay, look, I don't expect you and I'm not asking you to go put yourself in bubble wrap, right? Like we can't, we can't do that. We can't expect that of ourselves. But I think the number one thing you can do is you can start to recognize somatically, like in the body, where are you holding and feeling stress? I think a lot of times we go about our day and we aren't in tune with these different like yellow flags that are coming up, right? They're kind of like silent whispers where your body is at 2 p.m., your heart rate is elevated and you just push it out and you go and you have a cup of coffee or you are feeling like you're about to cry because you're so overwhelmed, but instead you hop back into another project, right? Instead of like, really stopping saying, okay, this is what I feel in my body. And then asking yourself, like, what do I need in this moment? And it could be something as simple as like a deep breath. Um, it could be like on Tuesday, I was feeling this when I got done working. And so normally I would go immediately to start cooking. And I was like, I need to go on my back deck, take a few minutes of a deep breath and do like a five minute yoga flow. I was like, I just need to get like my heart rate down, you know? because it just felt like I couldn't control like how much my heart was beating, you know? And so I think that us being able to really be in tune with what that feels like in our body, we can do little micro adjustments throughout the day. And we can really, I always say like work with your body rather than against it, right? So like listen and honor your body rather than just pushing through and like making that silent whisper become a cry. I love that. I need to take that advice because I, <laughs> I feel like I try to be good to my body now, but I love feeling wired. I love yeah. feeling, I have a lot of energy, like just in general, I'm a, I'm an energetic person, but it's like, I like to, for some reason, just push the limit. I love to feel like I just have so much energy all day and I have to just, this sounds a little bad, but it's like, sometimes I have to remind myself, like, you, it's not normal to be that fucking wired all day long nor is it necessary, right? Like it's okay, but I like love that feeling so much and I feel like, 
it's, I'm, I don't know, maybe people can relate to this, like just loving like the coffee in the morning, your coffee in the afternoon, like that feeling, like I feel like we get addicted to that feeling almost. And I don't think it's a good thing, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And I think like as a type, like, I don't know if you're a type A person, but I know I am like, yeah, like I do not want to sit still. Like I was raised in like, yeah, like I was raised in a family who like does not watch TV because like you could go be like gardening or like doing something at the house. Like, you know what I mean? Like I always tell my husband, I'm like, look at my parents. Why do you think I'm this way? I'm like, they do not sit still. Like this is why, you know? Um, But I think like, yeah, it's just like we get obsessed with that feeling of stimulation. And I will say that I'm the first person to realize that too. And so I think like really creating boundaries and not always looking like I always tell people too that like it's not always about how hard can you do something or like how little can you eat. I feel like so much of our culture is that it's like how can you cut as many calories away from this food? How can you make this workout as intense as humanly possible, right? Like how can you do the maximum in these areas? And like that is so bad for our hormones and our nervous system. Like that is not going to create a balanced flow within the body, right? Absolutely. I would love to give somebody some tips, maybe somebody who cannot in this moment, the, the, the option to like go see somebody to talk about their hormones is just not like accessible to them right now. Are there a few things that somebody could just even just take note of or be curious of a few signs in their bodies that maybe they're like, you know what, like this feels off or this feels off or like little things that we can do to integrate into our routine just to, I don't know, be kinder to our hormones and to our bodies. I know that's tough because it's so individual, but I don't know if there are any tips, like general tips that you could give us. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I would say that, you know, if someone's not having like super clear um, period issues that are going on, then a lot of times what it'll manifest as is energy issues where they're just feeling like it's really difficult to wake up in the morning. They're hitting like really bad energy crashes in the afternoon or after they get done eating, right? And so, A couple of things that I really like for people to incorporate is looking at like the bookends of your day, right? So what are you doing in the first hour when you're waking up and what are you doing the last hour before you go to bed? Because those are having the most profound impact on our body's own internal clocks or what we call your circadian rhythm. And that is going to heavily impact everything metabolically, hormonally, digestibly, because that really is the indicator to the brain of when it's time for these processes to turn off and when it's time for things to turn on. So taking a really good look at with your first hour upon waking, what can you do within that first hour to give yourself more space? Like, are you waking up and within 10 minutes you're checking your emails and you're rushing to work and you're doing like a high intensity interval workout, right? Like what can you do to be able to make that first hour a little bit easier, like build up into your day, right? And really trying to get out and get outside and get some sun so that you can tell the brain it is time to wake up, turn on cortisol, start making all of these different hormones in the body. And then on the flip side of that is really setting boundaries on the last hour of your day. I think that with, you know, social media and technology that we have the ability to constantly be connected and we might not realize it, but it's having such an impact on your nervous system and those things subconsciously really can provide a lot of stress, right? Like you see something triggering on social media, you get this little like stress response in the body or you are looking at social media and you're learning something and so it's stimulating your brain um, to be like thinking and analyzing at such a high level, right? 
So how can you be able to set those boundaries on like the content that you digest, when you digest it right, when you're available, like when you take care of yourself, I think that having that last hour in the day to really be able to like downregulate, right? So in the morning we're trying to upregulate, but then the evening time really like trying to do the opposite of that and really start to like turn things off and slowly dim effect that light, right? Is going to be so important. I'm so careful about my mornings and my morning routine. Like I love a morning. I definitely need to implement a night routine. I don't know why it's so it's so easy for me to get into a flow in the mornings and be really kind to myself yeah. and my brain in the mornings. But at night, it's kind of like my days are also so different every day. So I, it just varies. But what what does a like a beautiful ideal night routine look like? Where it's like, do we not look at screens for an hour before bed? Like, what's an ideal situation, especially for those of us who are on our you know computer phone all day and I have a lot of anxious queens who listen to this podcast myself included so (laughs) are there any tips for us for winding down at night yeah I mean I think it's really important to ask yourself like what are the things that make you feel your best every day and look at where and when you can incorporate those because if we're always doing things from a place of what makes you feel your best Not only is it going to be easier for you to continue to implement that habit because it makes you feel good, um, but it's also going to be a lot more supportive of like emotionally and, and, and physiologically what your body needs, right? So for example, like for me, I... I have a hard cutoff. Like I do not touch my computer after 7 p.m. I don't, I put my phone on do not disturb mode. I don't even like text people, take calls. Like I'm super boundaried with my communication after 7 p.m. And to me, like that time between 7 p.m. and going to bed is like you cook dinner, you spend time with your family, like you interact, you like, you know, do your self-care routine and like you're in bed, you know? And that's just what works for me personally. And so, you know, that's really important to me to be able to hold that standard. I think that it's also really helpful to have something, whether it's like, like for example, I I have a sauna and I love using that. It just helps me relax. It's helping detoxify, support the body. Um, but like that's a really good practice. Or you know, taking a bath, or um, you know, maybe it's meditation, or it's yoga, or it's deep breathing exercises. But something that's going to be able to turn you out of this like stimulation, thinking, analyzing mode that we're so often in, and instead turn you into like a reflection mode, right? And like that could be a really easy book that you like reading. Um, It could be like, I like to have a lot of my clients brain dump that are really anxious where it's not even really like journaling, but you're more so just dumping all of those thoughts that are racing through your mind so that you can put them on paper and out of your head so that you can fall asleep at night and your brain isn't feeling like it's an overdrive. I love that. Is is my anxiety ruining my hormones? Is that happening? (laughs) Well, I mean, you could ask the question as to like, is it the hormones that are impacting our anxiety as well? Because hormones do impact our mood, right? Could be. Yeah. I've, I have been, I have been anxious since I can remember. Like Mm -hmm. my dad was the exact same way. And, but growing up, we didn't really talk about mental health in my household. I also just feel like the conversation has more recently been normalized, I think, you know, and my mom doesn't understand, you know, when I'm like, oh, I'm anxious. She's like, just go pray or go breathe. I'm like, it doesn't work like that. You know, I wish, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but so yeah, I, 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 when I think about this feeling and just how my anxiety manifests, etc., I can remember feeling this way since I was a little girl, like genuinely. And I always thought there was something wrong, you know, with me, like growing up in certain moments, not like collectively, but I was just like, 
why does that not sound appealing to me? Why do I not want to do this? Why does that make me so nervous? Why, you know, are these situations making me feel like I'm having a heart attack, like, et cetera, et cetera. And then once I finally understood what happens in my nervous system and whatever, everything made a lot more sense, right? So I would love to just talk about how they're linked, like just anxiety as a whole and and hormone health or or what your thoughts are about it. I mean, our hormones impact so much of our brain and our mood. I mean, our hypothalamus is a little region that's in our brain that's like right behind our eye. And that is really think of it as like the hormone control center. And so, you know, our brain and these neurotransmitters and our hormones are so interconnected. It's insane how connected they are. Um, but for women in particular, and you know, if this was manifesting at a very young age, then this maybe wasn't the case because you probably didn't have like full estrogen and progesterone levels when you were seven years old, right? But once you started to go through, um, through puberty and things, you know, you're starting to normally cycle. And so with that, you know, if you're naturally cycling, then you should be making estrogen in the first half of your cycle. And then you kind of flip the switch and then progesterone takes over. And progesterone is very much our calming hormone. So it's going to help you be relaxed. It's going to reduce anxiety. It's going to help you sleep. We call it the chill hormone for that reason. And so if there isn't enough progesterone, which as I mentioned earlier, a lot of women I work with are having issues with making adequate progesterone for a lot of different reasons, um, then it can really manifest as anxiety because you're always in this like estrogen dominant type state where that's like the superior hormone and you don't have any of that progesterone to balance you out, right? And estrogen will make you feel very like alert and energized and not necessarily anxious, but definitely more like high alert and high energy and progesterone does the opposite. So it can definitely be that, absolutely. Um, but I think a lot of it too is really, um, you know, like I said earlier, is like coming back to, okay, like what are the reasons? Like what is the like root cause to all these things, right? As to like why we're feeling anxious, you know, is it is it that we aren't grounded enough in the present moment? Is there something that would help be able to ground you? And maybe that is really connecting with your body and starting to really draw awareness to what that anxiety is feeling like in your body on a multi-day basis. So, you know, if you're if you're really listening to your body and you're checking in multiple times per day, you might notice that, oh, the anxiety is coming because I'm really overheated right now and I haven't gotten any fresh air. And so then you go outside and you get fresh air and you're like, okay, I feel less anxious and now I can move forward with a little bit of a lower anxiety level, right? Or maybe the anxiety is coming about because you drink caffeine and you're like crashing from it, right? And yeah, and so then you're like, okay, I know I love caffeine, but like, what can I do differently to be able to prevent that? Is it like maybe doing a half calf or having the caffeine with food, right? So like if we're able to really listen to the body and then try to adjust things accordingly, can we adjust that like level of anxiousness that we're feeling? I love these tips and I love these questions that you're giving us that we can like check in with ourselves. Um, I want to quickly go back to food. You mentioned how you were under eating and I think that's something that is not uncommon. How do you broach this with a client, let's say, when they're just like not eating enough, but they're like scared to add more calories or nutrients or whatever it is, or just more food in general to their to their plate. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I use labs is because it helps me be able to take the emotion out of it um, in terms of like it being my, um, you know, sometimes it can get really hard when we have someone coming in, although we trust them and we, you know, are wanting to work with them. It can be really hard when someone comes in and says, everything you're doing is wrong, right? Or like, everything you're doing needs to be completely changed. Like that doesn't feel good to anyone. It's yeah, overwhelming. it's really overwhelming. Yeah, it's and overwhelming. so I think that it helps to be able to have data 
not because I am like a data, like I do love data, but I use that to its tool. I don't, I don't live and die by it, right? But I think it can be helpful because it can quantify for you and it can help give you answers and explanation to, okay, yes, I am seeing this value is low. You're saying that that's correlated with under eating and I'm having this symptom, which is a symptom of under eating. Aha, it all makes sense, right? So it just connects the dots and it takes that like human factor of like that emotion out of it, right? Totally, totally. Yeah. So I think that really helps. And that's one of the reasons why I use lab assessments in my practice. Um, but I think that in addition to that, it's really helpful for someone to know that you're not alone, that a lot of people, women in particular, struggle with this. And I always tell women, I'm like, I have done this with women ages 16 through 75. And every woman responds favorably. I've never had a woman that has had, that has not responded favorably if they go slowly and listen to their body. That is the number one key is that we can't go from under eating and then all of a sudden go up to this like crazy high level that like some calculator online tells you to do or not only is that emotionally and psychologically going to feel really overwhelming for you but physically it's going to feel very uncomfortable I mean it can't even cause a lot of distress in the body anyways just because of electrolyte shifts that can happen in that type of situation right um but what we want to do is go really slowly with the body really listen to the body honor the body through that process. And as we're able to go really slowly, eight weeks later, you're going to look back and you're like, wow, I'm eating, you know, 25% more food than I was eight weeks ago. And I don't even notice it. Like if anything, you only notice the benefit that has come out of that. So I think it's so important to like, listen to your body, go slow, honor your body in the process. And I always tell when I work with is like, trusting your body is capable because I think that we can get so I know I was in this state when I was dealing with all my issues where like I just didn't trust my body anymore I was like everything that I do you do the opposite of what I want you to do I feel the same way I well I broke the trust with my body right because I didn't listen to it and I was underfeeding it over exercising I was in a bad headspace. I was so sucked into diet culture in my like mid twenties, like so sucked in. Developed well, I had disordered eating patterns, then had a full fledged eating disorder. Like it was bad. And so when I went to therapy and saw a dietitian and started to heal that, so much of it was I haven't listened to my body in years. Right? I've I've, I've heard it, but I have chosen to not listen. And so. It's like getting back together with an ex or something like I don't trust you and now I have to like figure out how I'm going to trust you again and that is a process. Like I wish I love how you said you took out the emotional aspect of it. I would have loved to hear that kind of narrative when I was in my worst moments because you know with my initial dietitian it was so still emotionally tied and I think that made it really challenging for me, you know. And had I seen like data, I would have been I'm not a numbers girl, but I would have liked the information. I'm a Capricorn. I like to follow the rules. (laughs) I would have loved it to be like, okay, wow, this makes sense. Right. So I love that you take that approach. And so, yeah, I think like I really had to start even tuning into my body. And I think something that I struggle with now is more so because I'm so anxious sometimes, I don't know, is this my body? Is this are these like anxious thoughts or do you know, like it gets a little bit blurry, but I think really going slow and rebuilding that relationship with our bodies is, is, is so worthwhile. 
our body hears everything we say, you know, and um, I mean, there's even research that shows that like if we think that a food is unhealthy for us, we metabolize it differently than if we think the food is healthy. Like we know, yeah, That's like we crazy, know yeah. how much that emotion and that physical are connected. And I just think it's so hard because as you mentioned, like once our relationship is broken, it's so hard to trust your body. Like you just feel like it's you versus your body right? But in order for our body to work with us, we have to slowly rebuild that trust. And that's not an easy process, but you've been through it. You know, it takes some inner work to be able to get there. And as we can start to slowly trust our body again, then we know that our body's always working for us. We know that our body always wants us to be successful. Our body always wants us to heal. And I truly do believe that, that it's always wanting the best for us. I agree. What are a few myths that you see online and on social media regard, regarding like whether it's working out or food or ho- hormone health? Like, are there anything, any things that stick out when I say that, that you're yeah. like, why is this a thing? Like, this is not yeah. right. <laughs> a lot. I actually just posted a reel on one today. So oh, really? Perfect. Um, I would say right now, the number one thing I keep seeing is like, I saw this Instagram reel the other day and it was like a big account and it was a picture of like a date with almond butter and it was like hormone balancing food for fertility. And they were basically trying to say that like a date with almond butter is like hormone balancing. And it's just, I, I get really frustrated when people try to say that there's hormone balancing foods because I'm like, they're not. There's foods that contain vitamins that help us be able to metabolize and make hormones. But hormone balance is so much more complex than that. We can use food and lifestyle as a therapeutic tool, but that's only to be able to heal where there's imbalance that's causing the hormones. Because I mentioned earlier, hormones are just the messenger. So like if we see low progesterone levels, we can't just say, I'm going to eat a date and my progesterone levels are going to you know, jump through the roof. No, we have to say like, okay, why are the progesterone levels low? Is it because of the way that your diet is being structured, the way that you're structuring your workouts? Is it because there's like a immune system issue, a cellular issue? And then we use food to be able to support those issues, right? So I think that's a big one is like the hormone balancing food space. I mean, I think too is that there's so much like, I think it's, we're starting to pull away from this and women are really starting to like learn more about how like the female and male body are so different. But I just think there's so much generalization of the way you should eat and exercise to what's been studied or what's been recommended for men to do. And even like my husband, he is a strength conditioning coach and he's like, who's written my workouts for six years that we've been together. And like, you know, we've gone through this whole process over the years that we've been together of like me taking him my lab saying, this is what's going on hormonally and us being able to like fine tune the workouts I'm doing to be able to optimize like where I need to support the body. Right. And like, we even turned that into like a service that we offer now because of that, because we found like really what works within that. But it took so much like testing, trying, retesting, trying, you know, all of these things to be able to get there because there's just not research on women to be able to tell you exactly what you need to be doing in the different phases of the cycle. It's very inconclusive, you know? And like, even when you take something like intermittent fasting or like different, like, you know, macronutrient splits that a lot of women are following and things like so much of it isn't what your body needs hormonally. And I just think that when we as women go against our hormones, not only are you going to feel off because you're not honoring like the way your body's like actually functioning internally, but we're working against the body rather than like saying, okay, what's going on internally? How do I work with the body and then optimize it from there? The first point that you mentioned just shows how 
cautious we have to be with, I always say this, like just, you have to be so cautious with where you're getting your information. Like social media is an incredible place. You can find the answer to anything as long as you're looking in the right place and you're like, you know, looking at credible sources. But the, it, it also goes to show how I feel like people will throw, throw a buzzword on anything just to get, you know, views or likes or whatever. Meanwhile, they don't know how impactful that could be to somebody who maybe is like, oh, well, I'm struggling with fertility. I'm going to have 20 dates with almond butter because that's going to, you know, it's like we have to be so careful with not only where we get our information, but also the words. Like people have to be more careful with the words that they're even just, they could have rewarded that and, and it could have not been like a damaging post. Not that it's, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I just think the words are so, so important. And to your second point, I think this working out um section is huge and I think you know for so long we or at least I used to feel like again when I was so in diet culture that my workout only mattered if it was you know no days off seven days a week maybe one rest day but I would do two a days I would do two spin classes in a row I would do hit because that was what burned fat quote unquote um I had to be you know I if I felt like if I didn't end up the boot camp 60 minute class and I was like almost passed out on the floor sweating my ass off it didn't count right Th those were the only workouts that mattered and again through so much of what I went through and also just being so burnt out of these classes and my body I think my body was definitely just like bitch I can't do this anymore like I cannot <laughs> I, quit. I quit and now I actually have slowly tapped back into what do I actually like because like you mentioned, I love working out. I love being active. I enjoy it. I love workout classes. I love all these different things, but I overdid it to like such a, such a level to where now I'm like, okay, I do like these things, but now I understand that at least for me and my body, I don't need that every single day. It doesn't make me feel good. And actually the workout doesn't just matter if it's super fucking hard. Like I can also go on a 45 minute walk listen to a podcast, clear my head and I feel great. And that also matters. Right. So I think just like re changing this narrative also, I think has been so important, you know, it's huge. And I mean, I was the same way, you know, I was like, if I don't sweat, then I'm going to stay at the gym until I do, you know, and like <laughs> that could be hours totally. that I was there. And like, now it's like 45 minutes and I hardly sweat, but like, I just get so much better results from it, you know, and I just feel better. And, you know, I used to be like obsessed with running myself and I still love running and I still do it here and there. But like, I had to ask myself eventually, I was like, is the running I'm doing actually making me feel my best? Like, is it really supporting my health or am I like running like away from my problems literally? Right. And like, that's what I was doing is I was like running to be able to like run away from like all of these issues, you know, as opposed to like running because here and there, because I really enjoyed doing it. And so like now I don't run as much because of that. But I think like, you know, exercise can be such an outlet, but we can also abuse it sometimes if we use it to the point where it's just, you know, it it's at excess. Absolutely. You mentioned working out according to your cycle. And I really quickly want to get into our periods and how, well, first of all, I want to ask you about, um, what is it called? Cycle, cycle thinking. What are your thoughts on that? Because I've been hearing it so much more online. I mean, I think that really what cycle thinking means, right, is that you are 
syncing and honoring your diet, lifestyle, workouts to the phase of your menstrual cycle as to what your body can handle, right? So it really is like kind of this intuitive listening to your body, uh, you know, emotionally, physically, and then adjusting your diet and your workouts accordingly. So I think it's great because it makes us more intuitive. It makes us listen to our body. Uh, you know, we're working with the body rather than against it. Um, but I also don't think that you can live and die by it, right? Because um, there are things that we can be doing in each cycle that can be a little bit different. But um, for example, like in um, my membership that I have, we do cycle syncing workouts. But a lot of women that come to us, they're like, oh, I should be, you know, not resistance training in the second half of my cycle because um, this is when my body should really be resting. I'm like, yes, you should be going easier with resistance training. You should be listening to your body, taking more days off, getting more sleep if you need to. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't ever be touching a weight, right? So like there's a difference between those two, you know? So I think that there's good within it. Um, you know, I think that also within some of like the dietary modifications and things, it can really overwhelm someone because they're like, okay, like I got to eat these seeds during this phase and then these seeds during these and like- It's like a lot of, it's, it's a, lot a lot of, of rules. rules. Yeah. And I- Yeah. 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 And I think that can be very- triggering mm -hmm. to some people, especially if they've had like a sensitive sure. past with this. Like I, I can't yeah. do rules. Like I, I can't, you know, I mean, I can, but I like flexible rules mm -hmm. that can be broken, yeah. which is like the least Capricorn <laughs> thing to say, but it's true. No, I hear you. Yeah. And I think like it can create more obsessive behaviors when there is too much rigidity and I don't know. I just see it stress someone out. You know, it's just like they're so stressed about doing this at this phase that it's like, oh my gosh, it's just raising those cortisol levels, you know? Yes, totally. I feel like the conversation that I usually have around periods with like my closest girlfriends, it's never a great one. It's always, you know, we're dreading it. We are, we know we're going to be tired. We know we're going to feel a little bit bloated. We know we're going to be you know, grabbing mydol for some pain. Like, do you have any tips for how to just make it a little, a little bit more of like an enjoyable experience? Maybe it's something to boost our mood or just, I don't know, any, any tips? Well, I know that one thing for me that, you know, I always do. And of course the first day is always not the greatest, right? It's going to be painful, but I'm just like, body, you are badass. Like the fact that you did all of this, like behind the scenes while I was going about my day, working, exercising, doing all the things. And like all this was happening, you shed the lining of your uterus behind the scenes. Like that is freaking cool, you know? And like really just like saying thank you body for the amazing work that it's doing for you. And like also just being so grateful. And I think that maybe like personally for me, like I just, I, I went through so much hormone issues that at this point in my life, like if I have like a normal period, which, you know, I do, then like, I'm so grateful because I know how it feels to be on the opposite end of that. Right. And I think we can all relate to that in different areas of our life. Like if you've ever been like injured where you like tore your ACL or something, and then like, now you can exercise again. You're like, thank you that like I can walk. Right. So I think like when you've been through that, it just solidifies it even more for you, but it doesn't mean you have to go through those hard times to be able to honor and recognize and support all the amazing work that your body's doing for you because the menstrual cycle is not an easy process. It's a voluntary process. Our body doesn't have to reproduce to be able to survive, right? Our body has to keep our heart beating, keep our brain functioning. Reproductive system, this is why diet impacts it so much is because it's like when you have extra left over, the body's like, okay, let's put that towards reproduction. 
But if there's no extra, that's when that gets shut off because the body's like, I don't have the resources to be able to put to this. So when you're having a normal period every month, it's like, thank you. I have that extra. I have enough. I have a surplus of what my body needs to be able to do everything within my systems. I love the way you answered this. I was not expecting this answer. And I, I'm such a big, I love thinking about perspective and how that really just like can totally impact how we look at a situation. So I love that. And that's what I will be thinking about today or tomorrow when I get my period. Um, <laughs> I know, I know we have to wrap up soon. I wish I had you here for like five more hours to ask you 300 <laughs> more questions. And I know I asked you what somebody who is not in a position to get professional help with maybe their hormones or their diet or whatever it is. But if somebody was thinking about it, like who would be a good person to come and see you? Like what, what, what does she look like? What is she struggling with? Um, what are some things that you would love to help like somebody with? Yeah. So, you know, typically when someone comes to me, it's because they maybe feel like defeated by the medical system. Maybe they've gone to like their OBGYN who's just kind of like sent them out with, you know, birth control as the only option or um, just kind of told them that like they're going to have issues with fertility because they have PCOS or they have this thyroid condition and there's nothing they can do about it. And so they leave feeling really defeated and also leave knowing that that's wrong and that there are things that they could possibly do. And so they typically come to me at that point. You know, generally when someone comes to me, they also are more holistically minded. They want to really utilize food and, you know, uh, vitamins and lifestyle practices to be able to help their body heal and really be able to have this really connected relationship with their body and with food and potentially reduce maybe some of that stress that they're feeling around their body or the relationship with food. So I'm really helping them be able to do that through, you know, the deep dive testing that we're doing that is advanced testing to be able to get answers as to why there's these hormone imbalances, you know, and then being able to understand like how to really connect this relationship with your body and with food again and really be able to, like we've been talking in this conversation, is like use food, use exercise, use lifestyle practices to be able to support your body and heal your body and like love your body rather than looking at everything from this like restrictive mindset, right? So generally that is the common person that comes to me. You know, sometimes they might have goals like they want to, you know, um, they want to improve fertility or they want to regulate their cycle, regain their cycle. They, um, you know, I work with a lot of women that have acne or that have digestive issues that really want to get to the bottom of that and get answers and understand like how to be able to fix that. So there sometimes are those goals and uh, we can absolutely help you with that. But I think it's definitely someone who's open-minded to, like I said, you know, listening to the body and like being intuitive with what's going on with your body and honoring your body rather than throwing like, you know, really easy solutions that aren't going to really support the body on it. Like it's not a quick fix. This is like a life. It, I mean, it's, it's so cliche, but it's like when people, it's a lifestyle. It really is. Yeah. I it's not. That. And I was, yeah, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, some of the things we might do are therapeutic. So we might use like this type of dietary approach or like this type of supplement for a month or two months to be able to correct an imbalance. But by the end of us working together, it's like foundational. Like these are like, this is how you're going to maintain feeling this way for the rest of your life. And we've got to get to that point. And like, I'm not going to throw anything at someone that's going to get them results in a week. I just, I don't care if it's bad for business. I won't do it because I believe that you, your health, your physical, mental well-being is the most important thing you know absolutely this has been incredible thank you so much there's so many there's so much information in this episode that i can't wait for my for my audience to hear thank you so much for all your insight and i love i, I can't wait to re-listen and just like 
take more notes, you know? Where can my audience find you and continue getting to know you? Yeah, so I'm on social at Nutrition with Low, and my website is functionalfueling.com. I've got a podcast called the Strength and Hormones Podcast, and you can find all that information over on my website at functionalfueling.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.